If you have your Bible, 1 Peter 2 verses 9, let's start there. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Father God, we pray for this morning, we pray, Lord God, that as we delve into your word, I pray, Lord, it brings absolute light. I think it brings hope. I thank you, Lord, that it brings refreshing. And I thank you, Father God, for each and every person here this morning, that, Father God, as we open your word, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just once again ignite the call of God upon their lives, that, Father God, that each and every soul here today would leave with a, with a reinvigorated spirit for what you have called them to and where you have placed them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It is, it is really humbling to be here this morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pete. My daughter thinks it's very cool that Pete is preaching out of the book of Peter. She thinks it's very clever. She's 10. This is big for her that Peter can preach from Peter. But we've been speaking about priests and exiles over the last few weeks, and I have been incredibly challenged by it. I've loved it. I love the fact that we said priests and kings proclaiming his excellencies. And proclaiming in that phrase is a, word, is a verb. It's a doing word. It's not, a, it's not just a statement. Proclaiming means that we get to do this each and every day, that we get to be the people who share and show the love of Christ, his excellencies to our world. And then it says that we are priests. Now in the Old Testament, we, we've spoken about it, but in the Old Testament, the priest would have to make a way for you to access the Lord. In the New Testament, you are the priest. You can access the Most High. And so therefore, we today are sitting here as priests and exiles, that you are sitting here today as a priest. Do you feel like a priest? I know one person here with a dog collar. You know those tight things? It's not that. It's the fact that we can actually make intercession and go to the Father. And so today, I want us to get a fresh realization that we can access the King of Kings. Now, the book of 1 Peter was written a long, long time ago. And I love it, because Peter is saying to, to the church at that stage, he says, you have a heavenly inheritance. And I think he's saying the exact same thing to us today, is that you have a heavenly inheritance. That what you're building, Pierre spoke about it this morning, is for something far greater and far bigger than what we see here and now. It is for a heavenly inheritance. And in 1 Peter, he tells the believers to have greater hope and greater faith, and that their everyday conduct can make a difference in that day and age. So let me recap a couple of weeks back. So three weeks ago, Pierre had come back from Ireland and he spoke about how we get to live in a secular world with a sacred culture. And that each and every single one of us are carriers of the culture, the sacred culture of God. And that we get to act with a kingdom culture wherever we go. How cool is that? That wherever we go, we take the culture of heaven with us into that environment. He also said that the secular Friday night and the sacred Sunday morning are exactly the same, that God doesn't see time. And so we get to be sacred wherever we are and that they're not two separate things. And he spoke to us about St. Patrick, St. Paddy, who was called back to a place of oppression to take God's message back and the entire nation of Ireland was changed. How cool is that? How cool is that? Then last week, we had Simon Lerofolo speak to us about calling and career, and that they weren't the same thing, that we 
may have a career, but we also have a calling. And that our calling is actually far greater than that. And that often God's purpose is where our calling, our competencies, our character, and our career collide, and God does something phenomenal in that moment. That he takes our purpose and he just explodes it into being. He spoke to us about calling being that which restores us to what God intended for our lives. That calling is actually saying, God, what do you want? What did you want for my life? Let's do that thing. And that it's bigger than what you do with your day-to-day. It's who you are in your day-to-day. That's your calling. It says in Matthew that come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Primarily, that is your calling is to know God and to make him known to the world around you. He spoke about the fact that we can have character and conduct and that our character and conduct gives us a platform from which to deliver the message of God. So for the, for the youngsters, that's buying data so that you can share the gospel of Christ to your world. And then finally, he spoke to us about city transformation, that a transformed community can only be done from a transformed heart. So we've come from a position where we've spoken about the sacred and the secular, that we've spoken about calling and career, and today I get the wonderful privilege to speak to you about being a witness in your workplace. Now, this is quite a tricky service for me because if you'd asked me to plan this two months ago, about two months ago, Pierre and I were planning the, lesson, the, the sermon series. Two months ago, everything was very different to how it is right now in my personal life. I had a corporate job in Cape Town. Life was styling. I was doing the Cape Town N2 commute every day. If you do it, I pray for you every day, every morning. And we had a challenge at work, and, and, and a lot of things unfolded. And so for two months, I have actually been fun employed, which for those of you who don't know means I've been saying to God, God, what do you want me to do with my days? And it's been this challenge of saying, God, okay, cool. What was my career and what is my calling? And actually saying, God, what are you calling me to? And who are you calling me to be? It has been the most phenomenally eye-opening period of time. So this morning, I'm, I'm witnessing to you from a very different point than I was two months ago. But you know what's lovely about God is that his word doesn't change and neither does he. Neither does he. And so when he puts us in positions, it's with such strength. So I look out here today and I see all sorts of people. I see pilots. I see teachers. I see some deputy headmasters. Afternoon, ma'am. I see some nurses. I see a pastor or two. I see an engineer. Don't know what they do. Um... And I look, and and all of you might have heard something that that you do. I see housewives. But if I take one more step, and I look a little bit deeper, I see the same faces. But if I look a little bit deeper, I see see a dad. I see a grandpa. I see a wife. I see a son. I see a daughter. I see a friend. I see a disciple. And then if I take one more step closer, and I look a little bit closer to you, what do I see? I see at the core of you, I see you are a child of God. And that is who you're called to be, is the son of God. And so often we start our conversation saying, hey, I'm Pete, what do you do? We're at this level. But actually, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a friend. But hey, at the soul of who I am, I'm an accepted son of the Most High King. That's who I am. And so this morning, you get to witness from this place. And when you witness from this place, you say, I'm an accepted son of God. 
I love my family. They are amazing. I'm blessed to have the best family in the whole wide world. And by the way, I'm called to a position and I'm working in a place where I get to interact with kids and adults and I love it. And I get to show them that I'm accepted by the King of Kings and so can they be. And that's your witness in your workplace is when you go from that place to this place. That's when your true witness is felt and experienced. So this morning, I, I don't want you to just hear an opinion from me. I've chosen three generations in our church to share very quickly on what it means to be a witness in their workplace. What is witness in the workplace? When Pete asked me to, do, to speak about this, I really gave it some thought. And my conclusion is that I think that God, because he lives outside of time, he doesn't see us the way we see ourselves. We often see ourselves in little boxes. I'm a wife to Anthony, I'm a mom to my children, I'm a CEO, a founder of my company, I'm an active mom at the school where my children attend, I'm an elder in this church, I'm a friend. There's so many different aspects to myself and people interact with me at different times are in those different aspects. Yet God doesn't see me as all those different things. He sees me as one person. He sees me as Philippa. And my witness is across all of those. I'm a witness at work. I'm a witness at school. I'm a witness in my life. And I don't think we can separate it out. Um, I do believe that God gives us all these abilities and all these talents to be able to accomplish all these things, to be able to reflect his glory and to love others. So... Witness in the workplace for me is witness across every aspect of our lives. And best we see ourselves the way God sees us, as a holistic person with many different beautiful facets. Isn't that cool? That's Philippa. For those of you who don't know Phil, Phil is, is, a, is a powerhouse. She's a mom. She's just an incredible person. And I asked her to share because she runs a, a business called Recruit My Mom. And it services lots and lots of moms in the area. And she, her job, she says, is, is awesome, is to speak hope into people's hearts and to tell them they are worthwhile and they are meaningful and what a calling that is. So I've also asked Auntie Anne to share. Oh, I made notes so that I don't forget. <laughs> Morning, family of God. It's, it's an honor for me to be here. Thank you so much, Pete. God has blessed me that I may continue to serve him. And it is an honor to be used by our Father. Psalm 96 says, They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Some days that's very difficult, the fresh and flourishing. <laughs> but somehow, you know, the Lord helps us cope. The elderly, or as we are sometimes called, the recycled youth. <laughs> We question whether we can still be helpful, saying, what can I do? We often believe it has to be on a large scale, but that's not necessarily true. The one-on-one -on -one meetings are so powerful very often. If we just learn to listen with the heart of Jesus, love them without being well, judgmental or, or trying to tell them how to live. Just listen and be there for them. That's very important. Let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. 
Yes, establish the work of our hands. If we do it in the name of Jesus, every, he gets the glory. We never get the glory. We don't need the glory. He, Jesus Christ, is our king, and he gets all the glory for what we do because we are here because of him. So uh, we need to keep a perspective in that. There's so many hurting and lonely people out there, and sometimes just a smile when we pass them can really help them get through the day, even if we don't know them. A smile is really something very precious. I'm sure a lot of you have received those smiles on the day when you really feel, I can't go on. It, it is just what keeps us going. Stay alive, keep your minds fit and active. I still paint, I play bridge to keep my mind fit and active. And sometimes, even though I just want to be Jesus and be quiet to them, he uses me in those circumstances, and then it's good. Please don't ever think you're too old to be anything or to do anything. What about the younger generation? They have so much to offer us, but we have wisdom that we get through growing old. God has given us so much wisdom. Let's use it. Let's share it with the youth, and let's learn from them as well, and always for his glory. The most important thing is to spend time in, Lord, in the Lord's presence, just hearing his heartbeat, learning from him, listening what he wants us to do, and we can't go wrong if we do that. So whatever we receive, we need to pass it on, and with age, we have received much to pass on. Live by example for our children and for our grandchildren. We can say one thing, but we live another way. So let's live by example. You know, when times get tough, when my son was little, he brought me a little cartoon that said, um, never give up. There was this picture of a huge bird, mouth open, and a frog was being, what he was trying to swallow it. The frog had his little arms and legs out, and he was holding on for dear life, saying, never give up. I thought, wow, so often when things get tough, I think of that little frog battling to stay alive. <laughs> so let's never give up. So Psalm 90, 12 says, So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Thank you. You might have asked why, why we've had Philippa. She's a mom in the house. We have a granny in the house here, and we have a whole bunch of amazing older generation in our church. We have so much wisdom. They have so much to give and so much to offer. They are warriors. I often look at them and I'm amazed by their tenacity, by their faith, by their service. And we want to honor you guys. There's a whole row and a whole squadron of you. And just thank you for how, you, how you've served us for the many, many years. And we love you. And then lastly... Lastly, I asked Alyssa to share because I don't understand mostly what the youth are saying in like short sentences, but really from a youth perspective, what does that witness mean? Well, I'm really nervous, so just bear with me for a second. <laughs> um, well, our youth face a lot of like social pressures in the sense of like who they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to look like, even who they're supposed to hang out with. 
um, and in that comes a lot of pressure too, and you're hearing all that you need to share the gospel and things like that, but it's really, really hard to share the gospel with a bunch of people that don't necessarily want to listen to you. And so through that, your character is the thing that shines. The thing when you are, you're being respectful to your teachers and you're being respectful to your fellow um, friends and things like that. And when you are even just like, when your friends are gossiping and you're like, hey, I would really appreciate it if you didn't talk like that in front of me because that person is my friend and I really don't like talking about my friends like that. But it's when you're consistent and your character is continuing to be consistent. That's when the light in you shines through and that's when your friends can come in and they're like, hey, why are you this way? Why do you act this way? Why do you have this, this thing about you? And that opens up the things in you to share the gospel. That opens up the conversations with your friends that can be like, well, I actually know the Savior and Jesus Christ, and he is the thing that is just so amazing and powerful in my life that I can just share with the love with these people. It's like I have so much love in my heart for you that this is the reason why I can be this way towards you. And it doesn't make me better, it makes me better. And it's being consistent in those things like that that um, allow you to share the gospel with your fellow friends and, and encouraging them as well. It's encouraging them to be those witnesses. It's encouraging them to be the light in their schools each and every day because that's their all day, every day life. And it's encouraging them. So if you just, anytime you see them, just encourage them because they're amazing and I love them. So. <laughs> awesome. So your workplace, it doesn't hold office hours. Your workplace is wherever you find yourself in whatever season of your life you're in. And so today you've seen a little bit from each generation. You've seen from, from the youth to the old. But I, I want to now go back into the Bible and look what it says about how do we witness in our workplace. So if you have your Bible, turn with me. You keep your, your one, one position in 1 Peter and the other one, you can zip right back to the front of the Bible into Genesis 1. The youth, that's the front page of your Bible. Genesis 1, verses 26. It says the following. Then God said, let us make man, that's man and woman, in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We were made in the image of God. Wowzers. <laughs> when you get this, that you were made in the image of God, and when you go into your world in bearing the image of God, it changes how we witness for God. In Genesis 2 verse 7, if you just look a little bit further, and it said, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life, and man became a living thing. 
we as people were breathed into existence by God Almighty. He just spent a couple of days making everything. Going stars, mountains, sea, da 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 And then he goes, wait for my masterpiece. Here it is. <laughs> Breathe breath of life into human, into man and woman. And suddenly we take on something way more than any, any other aspect of creation that God had made up until that point. We take on a spiritual being which has a body, a soul, and a spirit. And God has breathed that into us. And then he says, not only that, but you're a moral being. So you're not only spirit, soul, and body, but you're also moral. And you can start to think. You have intellect. You have reason. You have perception. You have ability. You have talent. And then he says to him, I've breathed you into being. And so, you know what? I'm going to set you to work. And I'm going to make you creative and amazing. And he says to Adam, dude, go and name all those funny looking things. And go and tend all those green things. And so before anything else, Adam is sitting there in the Garden of Eden, naming a thing with a long neck, a giraffe. And it was so, it says in the Bible. Whatever he could think of, it was. So it's a bit like Josh sitting behind his computer, programming something. It wasn't there before, and now it is, because God gave him the ability to be creative and to think. Or Neil, the engineer, looking at a dirty piece of ground and going, there can be a road there. And all of us go, really? That's amazing. And so suddenly, when we start doing what God has called us to do, the abilities that God has breathed into us, the talents, the abilities, the thinking, the creativity, that comes from God Almighty. And you start to use it and express it with a whole other way of, of expressing because it's not just our thinking, it's His thinking. And we get to take God into our workplace. And so my first thing to you today is that you are not a witness, you are an alive witness. You don't walk in there going, can I tell you about Jesus? Because God himself breathed into you. The maker of heaven and earth breathed into you. And his passion and his ability is within you. And his Holy Spirit in the image of God has been breathed into you. And therefore, you can breathe it to the world. And say, this is who I serve. This is my God. And so we are an alive witness. Secondly, in 1 Peter 1, it says the following. 1 Peter 1 verses 3, it says... Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are an alive witness, and we have within us a living hope, a living hope. Your living hope is this, is that you were bought at a great price. Each and every one of you were bought at a great price. That Jesus paid the ultimate price that you could have a relationship with him. So Jesus left heaven to die on a cross so that you and I could have a relationship with him and go on to live with him forever. An inheritance that cannot be taken away. A living hope. It's not a fake hope. It's not a wishful thinking. It's none of that. So often we say, oh, I hope the Springboks will win. That is not an educated guess. That is hopeful. That is like wishful. We have hope because hope is on something certain. We have a confident expectation of a living hope that is because of Jesus and what he has done and what this Bible says makes us confident in the hope of a future with Christ. It's not that we go, oh, well, I wish I'll go to heaven. No, we hope we go to heaven because we know what Jesus has said in his word and because we know it is true, we have a confidence in that hope that is in front of us. And that is the living hope. 
And so it carries on in 1 Peter 4, it says, you have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you will greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you may have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing genuineness of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may it be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus. Our hope is living, it is real, we can be confident on it because Jesus himself gave it to us. That is the hope. The salvation of your soul is a living hope. It is living. When you share that with somebody, it, you take someone who is dead and you give them a message that brings them life. There is no greater message in the world than taking someone who is dead in their sins and making them alive in relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the living hope. In Ephesians 1, it says, we have a hope of his calling. In Titus 2, it says, we have a hope of an eternal life. And in Colossians 1, it says, to them God willed to make known that they are the riches of glory of the mystery amongst the Gentiles, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so this morning, I'd like to say you are an alive witness with a living hope. And secondly, in 1 Peter 2, if you go on to 1 Peter 2, it says the following in verse 4. It says, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones, are being built up in a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are not perfect bricks. Have you ever seen, yesterday I was, we were doing some building work, you know, bricks are square and they're easy to put in. You can just sort of, it's like Lego and you just put them together. That's not the stones that God is talking about here. God is talking about imperfect stones, things that aren't exactly square and can't be put into a box and can't be said, well, oh, you're like this, therefore you fit there. No, we're living stones. And in Exodus 20, it says the following. It says, Exodus 20, 25, it says, if you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dressed stones. I.e., don't build it with predictable bricks for you will defile it if you use a tool on it God is looking for us to be the imperfect stones that he the creator of heaven and earth can place us as living into an altar for him I love that I love that picture have you ever driven in England if you've ever been to England they've got those long rows of roads that don't have any concrete and these walls that are just like all these stones just somehow stick together and it creates character and definition and it, I love it and that's the picture I get is that God himself is coming and he's saying, I'm gonna build an altar and I need the right people. So I need, a, I need a stone that looks a little bit like this. And he goes and he finds, he says, your place is exactly here and you fit just perfectly here because there's no other stone like you. And he goes, oh, now let's put another one in. And it's another one, it's not quite the same, it's not square, so we need to find another one and we need to snuggle that one in. And it fits perfectly and they're living and so they, ah, oh, yeah, that feels good. And the whole time we're building up this living altar towards the greatest thing, which is the King of Kings. Now, if you've ever built, you build on stone because it's hardy and it's reliable and it's steadfast. We are living stones. And in our workplaces, we need to be witnesses that are reliable and steadfast and can bear weight. And so Peter's encouraging us to be living stones. We're not something that's been cast out of a clay oven and just plonked in one of a thousand 
one of 20,000 in a wall. No, we're living stones that are different and unique and imperfect, but perfect in God's eyes for the call that he has for us. So we have a living hope. We're living stones. And finally, I'd like to say to you in 1 Peter 2, verses 16, it says the following. It says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. It says in the Bible that at the end of time, when Jesus comes, that all of us will go and face judgment. And we'll sit there and God will have the book of life. And in it, there will be names of people who have faithfully served, served him and had a relationship with him. And so when we talk about our witness in the workplace, our job is to fill those pages with souls who can live forever with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with a living hope. Because you know what the greatest line that we could ever hear is when God himself will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And when we witness in our workplace, what are we doing? We are being a servant for the Most High King because we are serving his purposes in the place that he has placed us. We're saying, God, how do we take your kingdom into this place where you've put me? Knowing that my identity is first and foremost as a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That I am rooted and grounded in a community that you have placed me in, in my family, and I have security and I have love, and I'm loved by you and I'm loved by them. And you've put me in a place with talents and abilities that, by the way, they were yours in the first place. You gave them to me to express. And so how can I tell these people about this great King, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings? And so witnessing in our workplace is bringing Jesus into our worlds each and every day to make a difference in every single way that we can. And so this morning, I wanna pray for us. But I don't wanna pray a random prayer. I wanna pray three things. And the first one I really believe is that there are a bunch of us here this morning that feel lost in our workplaces. We feel like we're a stone that just doesn't fit. We feel we're in the wrong place. We might not even, we feel like we've just been left on the ground and we feel like we need to be picked up and put into the right place. And so the first prayer I wanna pray is for people who feel lost, that they feel like they're just not in the right place, that they're not operating in what God has called them to be. And then the second is once you've been picked up, is this. I feel there's people in this place that don't have the courage to share the goodness of God into the land of the living. And so I wanna pray today for courage for people that they would know that their greatest calling is not to make the, the budget balance or to sell more things or to make new things. No, their biggest calling is to be a Christian and to show God's light where they are. And that needs courage. And so I wanna pray for that courage. And then finally, I just wanna pray for a commissioning moment because over the last few weeks, we've commissioned people to Ireland, to Scotland, to Germany, to the Eastern Cape. But you know what the reality is, is that? Each and every one of you this morning is commissioned into your office, your school, your home, your business, because no one else can go there except for you. And so this morning, can I pray for those three things? So if you feel that you don't fit, maybe put your hand up. If you feel that you need more courage, put your hand up. But finally, if you feel you wanna be commissioned, let's put both our hands up and say, God, here I am, send me 
to be a witness in my workplace. Can we do that? If you bow your heads, let's, let's pray. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a people for his possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his amazing, glorious light. Father God, I thank you for each and every person here this morning. I thank you, Father God, that you, the maker of heaven and earth, have created them for such a specific time as this, for such a place as this, to reach a people, Father God. And I pray, Lord God, this morning, by your Holy Spirit, that we would become alive to you, alive to your spirit and alive to your calling. And I pray, Lord God, for courage to rise in these people, Father God, to know, Lord God, that they are sent out as missionaries for you into their places of work and of conduct, Father God. I thank you, Father God, that each and every person here is commissioned for your call in their lives to reach their environment, Father God. I pray, Lord God, that we would, we would see these people grow in stature as they share your, the goodness of God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would go with them, that the Holy Spirit would be in them and fill them with might and with power to a living hope as living stones to be living servants for the Most High King in Jesus' name. We thank you for that. Amen.